you know what? I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Most farm people love production. They love production. They love talking about bushels and pounds and gallons, and they love production. You know what they don't always like? Talking about money. Uh, but it's very important because agriculture is a business. And so specifically, we're talking about the fact that in the year 2022, we had record farm income. Record farm income in 2022. Now what? Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to a very useful episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. We are talking about finance. It's 2023. We're recording this in the new year. We're looking back at what happened last year, what we think can happen moving forward, and more importantly, how you can protect your money ship. Let's face it, you work really hard. You do a lot of the right things. You tune into Extreme Ag to figure out how to get more bushels, more pounds, more all that stuff. Now let's figure out a way to keep it. Let's figure out how to do the right thing. We got Ben Hansen. He is Kelly Garrett's accountant in Iowa. His accounting firm is uh, Hansen and Gross. And we've got Kelly Garrett, one of the original five founders of, is it Hanson Gross? Anyway, I don't know, but I, what, what's Gross your firm? Gross and Company. It's Gross and Company. Your name's Ben Hanson, Gross and Company. I like Hanson and Gross better. I think you so know what? It's a marketing thing. All right, and we got Kelly Garrett, one of the original founders of Extreme Ag. Okay, we had a really big year last year. Um, successful farming, I've got it right here in my hands. If you're watching this, I'm holding up a copy. Farm income jumps 14% to a record high. The numbers were looking pretty good starting in about summer. We were a little scared in the spring. By summer, things were looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, by late summer, early fall, we're like, hey, this is going to be a good one. 2022. Biggest year on record for farm income, $160.5 billion. Now, we also know that we are in an inflationary period. Everything else costs more. We're going to address the cost side. We're going to address the revenue side. Kelly, in a nutshell, tell me about 2022. It was a big year for you, right? Absolutely big year. You know, your gross income, tremendously high with the yields that we had, which were just a bit subpar. We were dry, but, you know, $7 corn. Uh, this year, we sold corn. On a basis contract in September, uh, netted out about $8.35 an acre. You know, 200 bushel corn, that's obviously $1,600 an acre right there. That isn't what the on-farm income averaged, obviously, but uh, the biggest numbers we've dealt with ever. Biggest numbers you dealt with ever. And I remember I talked to my farm guy that rents my acres, and I said, these numbers look really big. This was last spring. And he said, sure they are. And he says, maybe we're just we're just exchanging bigger amounts of dollars. I'm, I'm writing more checks for big stuff, but I'm also getting bigger checks in. That kind of is true, but you made more money than you spent on a comparative basis. While inputs were up, with yields being what they were, you still made more. In other words, it wasn't all... Uh, Obviously, it was not all eroded away by increased input costs, right? Absolutely. It's not all net, uh, but but the net does go up. It, it's supposed to. We hope it does. Give me a picture looking uh, at your farm client, Ben, 2022. Um, 
grain farmers made money. Uh, livestock could be a little bit tighter depending on where we're talking about. Uh, my understanding is the tree nut people still took it in the shorts because that was an issue. Like, but that's not anybody that's probably in in the Midwest. We're talking about like almonds and whatnot. Uh, tree fruit had a little bit of a problem. Some specialty crops we don't grow many of those in Iowa. In general, broad acre agriculture hugely profitable in 2022. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as you just looked at, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, now 2023, um, you just, you know, you started selling your 2021 crop at, you know, $4, your 2022 crop at, you know, $5 probably, and, you know, your 2023 crop, you're probably starting to sell it at $6 a bushel. So when you have, you know, good prices with good yields, um, it's kind of crazy what you end up with in gross revenue per acre. All right. So what's this mean rolling into the 2023 season, Kelly? Um, we already are seeing that numbers are going to be probably pretty good, but maybe not as good as they were in 2022. What's your expectation and what adjustments are you making? Well, I actually think that the numbers could be as good in 23. Now, you know, like Ben talked about, we're selling $6 corn and things like that right now, where we have the ability, the market was down, you know, fairly bad today, uh, 10 to 15 cents. You know, that's not always exciting, but you know, maybe the yields won't be depressed this year. Like the 23 yields might be back to APHs and you've got the ability to sell this corn. At the end of the day, your gross dollars could be the same. You know, that's something to be aware of. Uh, I, I expect, I expect, I'm optimistic. I expect growing season to be back to uh, proven yields where this year I was about 91%. So I feel like my production was 9% low. If my production goes back to what my 100% expectation is and we have six dollar corn instead of seven dollar corn i believe gross dollars per acre can be the same we we got maybe the person you know we have a lot of listeners from all over the country and it's important for them to think about your yields were off a little bit you still are having record amounts of you know amazing income nope. but it's because prices were good you marketed correctly you being you know the extreme ag guy you put the right nutrients in the right water to everything but you still the fact that we got really warm and really dry for part of summer, because you're just far enough west, starting somewhere in Illinois and then going west, we started to have the dry problem. That's what your problem right. is. Yeah, it, it was dry, and we were 9% below average. You know, my average proven yield is like 215, and our corn made 200. It's like 90 and a half. You know, and the last few years, we've been experiencing 225 to 235 bushel corn. That's what I would tell you my expectation is. And uh, uh, this year, uh, you know, again, yields are a little depressed, but the market made up for it. Now, $6 corn is nothing, nothing to sneeze at or, or let pass by. And if we go back to that 230 bushel scenario, the gross dollars per acre still look very, very attractive. Ben, your, your ag clients did well. Uh, we always hear stories or we're used to. The farm guy is at the equipment dealership on New Year's Eve day with his checkbook, trying to get a half million or a million dollars worth of, uh, of money off of his books by buying a piece of equipment. Did that really happen? Does it really happen? Did any of your clients actually do something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. A guy called me on New Year's Eve and just asked if he could write a check for something. And uh, I said, absolutely, you can write a check for something, but it comes down to whether it's actually deductible or not. Um, you know, prepayments are supposed to be fixed and determinable, so you truly know what you're buying. Um, you know, he was going to write a, a check for a machine shed, and, you know, it's not really deductible unless, you know, that machine shed is standing that day and ready for use. So, 
Um, yeah, we had a lot of people that wanted to go to the equipment dealer and write a check, but you know, unfortunately, they couldn't find the equipment that they wanted. So yeah, they went and prepaid their way um, to where we thought was a reasonable tax bracket and you know, bought the equipment hopefully this coming year. Do you ever have them where you say, you know what, just just pay me, just pay me uh, and I'll just take your money. You ever do that? Absolutely. We'll allow people to prepay their next 20 years of accounting fees. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Sometimes expense, Ben, um, when things get fat in the countryside, you know, they get a little sloppy. So you hear these stories like, okay, uh, I got a little sloppy. Well, we had a big year. Uh, I bought a boat. And then you go to these farm conferences and they say, you can't go around doing that because next year or two years from now, things are going to get bad. And you went and bought that boat. But here's the deal. Every single person, certainly in the United States of America, if you give them a bonus, they go and buy stuff. What's wrong with what's wrong with farmers doing that? You know, they say the well, your your worst decisions are made during the best of times. Um, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, what do you actually need? Um, what's What's your cost of living, right? And have you? Hey, wait, I get that, but answer me this, Ben. I get that, but if the person, if you have a person that works in town and they have their job in their cubicle, and you give them a twenty thousand dollars Christmas bonus, and they run out and buy a wave runner, nobody says you stupid idiot. You should have continued to live like a pauper. You got no right buying a wave runner. You work in a cubicle in town. I mean, I'm I'm being sincere, but I also I hear this, and I I guess what's the happy medium? Yeah, well, what's kind of interesting about that scenario is that that person in town may have went and bought a wave runner, but then they got to the dealership and they decided rather than paying cash for it, they wanted to finance it. So all of a sudden they have some payments in the future and then they went and bought something else as well because they still had the cash in their pocket. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from a, a farmer perspective, you know, you have to make a good decision of does it make sense? To, to finance this thing and, you know, buy your way out of taxes, but not use that cash to go towards that equipment, which is what you bought your way out of taxes with. Right. Um, so then you have all this excess funds and, you know, what do you, what do you do with it? Right. Okay. I was gonna ask you what you do with it, but before we do that, I want to get back to this other thing. Used farm machinery has actually been worth more a year or two down the road than it was last year. How yeah. could you tell it? How could you tell one of your clients, hey, it's a really bad idea to go and buy that used piece of equipment when the reality is they get money off their books and it's worth more two years from now. So it's an investment that's also depreciable that also goes up. And I get to take it off of my taxes right now when I had a fat year. Tell me why I wouldn't or shouldn't do that. So that's interesting because most of the things you're talking about are you know something that's you know maybe five seven ten years old but not brand new stuff um some of the brand new stuff there was an example of a sale here this year that something um sold for fifty thousand a combine sold for fifty thousand dollars more um than what it was purchased for in the spring um i think that's a rarity this is you know definitely times that we haven't necessarily seen before so, you know, historically speaking, you know, equipment has new equipment has not appreciated on a year to year basis. Would you agree, Kelly? I would agree. This is unforeseen territory that we're in. Uh, and so I think back to your question, Damien, it's not that I, I could technically tell you that it's not a good decision, um, but, you know, this is not 
you know, something that has historically repeated itself year over year over year. The people that did that three years ago, yeah, it was a good idea. But then when they go to trade that, they got to pay new equipment price, right? Mm -hmm. Which that's inflated as well. Now, here's the thing. And I, I've said on all the sessions where they say, it's the silliest thing you can do. Go and get a half million dollars off your books by buying equipment at the end of the year if you don't necessarily need it. And I guess, well, if it saves you, uh, you know, 25% of half, it could save you $125,000 of taxes. You can make a lot of mistakes if you're saving $125,000 in taxes. So I guess, correct me on why, when it's the right idea, when it's wrong and when it's right. So, so that's a, something we, I, I at least preach to my clients quite a bit is, you know, should your depreciation that you take on that piece of equipment match the amount of debt that you have incurred, right? So um, the, what happened in you know, 2012, 2013 is that we had some really good times, really good, not great yields, but um, really good prices. People made a lot of money. Um, and what they did is they went out and bought their way out of taxes, but they financed it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they financed it, depreciated it all in one year, solved their tax problems still had cash in their pocket and they went and bought a lake house, which is all fine. But then the, you know, the following year they had to, you know, they had tax problems and they had to service their debt. And so a lot of people made it through those times. Some people didn't, but it puts you in a position that um, you weren't able to um, make ends meet. Right. And you, you cause yourself a strain on your cash flow. So typically I try to preach to people, that if we're planning on deducting it all in one year, let's try to pay for it. Or at least let's, you know, find a good use for that cash and understand that, you know, we, we are going to have to have enough cash in the future to service that debt service. It takes a little bit of experience. You know, we got a lot of different ages of people that listen and pay attention to what we're doing here at Extreme Ag. And I used to make the joke to my farmer buddy, you have times if you run your own business where you're owed a hundred thousand dollars and it's just blowing in the wind. You're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm owed a hundred thousand dollars. And you got another time in your business. Like, like there's $1,400 that you're owed and you're looking for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. you're like, where, where is it? Hey, is that, did you check the mail? Is that check here yet? And you're like, it's only $1,400. I'm like, isn't that kind of what we're talking about here is that you, you know, when things are fat, you're like, okay, I got this money to blow. And then there's going to come a time. So do you find yourself sometimes a little bit like being the, um, oh, shall I say somewhere between the parent or the three little pig story that you're always teaching somebody about, remember what tomorrow can bring? Yeah, to some extent, um, you know, cause you really, you don't know what, you know, the following year will, will bring. And, you know, how am I, am I supposed to tell you how to spend your profits from this, this last year? Um, that's the difficult part, right? You have a really, really good year. You know, what do you plan on doing with that money? Are you going to roll it back into your operation? Um, you know, reduce your line of credit. All of a sudden, that looks like a, a really good idea because you know people are paying seven, eight, nine percent on their line of credit. So that's a great return on your money, right? Um, yeah, so I guess is that what you're? I want to hear your advice on what you're saying to do, and and you're saying listener, it's not about 2022 anymore. That's in the books. But 2023, according to Kelly, is going to be a good year. Do you anticipate having to manage the money and these tax things, Kelly, in 23 as vigorously as you did in 2022, based on what you said? You think that 2023 is going to be ever as good as 22? 
Yes, I think it could be as good if we market correctly. And of course, you know, we have to raise a good crop, but I believe that we will. And, you know, but that's what, that's what we have been for. You know, we, uh, we had a meeting here a week or two ago and we, we planned for 22 and what we're looking at in 23, because it, it's kind of a, a moving scale or a moving target where, you know, one year isn't just going to fix it all. We, we tried to balance between the two or even three years. You know, I, we're talking about bringing my sons into the operation more to, uh, try to spread out the tax hit and things like that. We do different things business-wise to try to accommodate these large numbers. Okay, so we're going to talk about exactly what Ben's advice is and what is and what Kelly is doing. And we're going to find out if he's actually listening and adhering to what you tell him to do, Ben. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind you, dear listener, while we got Kelly on the phone here, I was in Kelly's office like uh, October of 2021, I think it was. It's been a while ago. And he said something pretty smart. Uh, he said that his whole entire objective uh, in the year 2022 was about stress mitigation, reducing stress on his plants. And he said, Damien, here's the thing. If I take a big, huge plate of food and put it in front of a great athlete like Mike Evans, who's like back in his training days, he's a great athlete, he's training. I give him a huge plate of food, but he's banged up. He's injured. He's ill. He can't uptake all that nutrition. So we're really just wasting nutrition. He says, now apply that to the field. I'm putting out a bunch of nutrition, all kinds of fertility, but also I got crops that are banged up. They're injured. They're ill. I'm wasting nutrition. So he says, I think we got to work on stress mitigation first. So Kelly applies Agrison's accomplished max in furrow for stress mitigation to maximize his yield. Agrison, one of our business partners here at Extreme Ag, has a product called Accomplished Max. It's an in furrow treatment that he uses. You can use it in other ways. He uses it in furrow for stress mitigation to maximize yield. If you want healthier plants, if you want your plants to be able to uptake all the nutrition that you're putting out there in that big old plate, just think of our buddy Evans and think of what? Kelly told us, use Accomplished Max exclusively available from your Nutrient Ag Solutions dealer. I hope Evans appreciates my little ability there to we you know bring him into this because I want him to know and feel the love. All right, answer me this. What are your recommendations in 2023, assuming the, the numbers are going to be what we think they are, Ben? Um, hey, first off, you can't tell this farmer... <laughs> Well, we don't know yet. Well, we know we just had record 2019 was amazing with uh, government payments. 2020 had some record uh, numbers because we threw $51 billion of COVID relief money at agriculture. 2021 and 2022, the commodity prices were good and the yields were pretty darn good, even though they were a little off in Kelly's situation. We're now in like year five. We're heading into year five of things being good. Year four, year five of things being really good. What are you telling people? My advice is that you should manage your business, whether things are really, really good or really, really bad. Because ultimately down the road, you know, you pay more attention when things are really, really bad. And you should continue to pay attention when things are really, really good. And, and to not let those things slip through the cracks and you're going to find yourself that you, you become very, very successful, right? You know, so I guess during really good times, well, yeah, does it make sense to, to buy some extra product for my crop? Well, what's your ROI on that? Does it make sense? So what are you going to gain by doing that rather than just signing the check and saying, well, we'll just throw, throw everything up a dart at the wall, kind of like the stock market in 2021. You know, you could have done really, really well in 2020, 2021 at the stock market, but if you weren't paying attention, you lose it all in 2022. So, you know, that is, you know, the advice that we're giving to people is that you'll manage your business as if, you know, you're, you're not going to see your, your next day. Um, you know, I guess not, not to run scared and you have to adapt and change, but um, pay attention to the details, understand your break-evens, 
um, understand your cost of, of living, what you have to have um, to continue to operate, to continue to live, and <clears throat> try to make the best decisions you can you know, with what's in front of you. By the way, it's always, you're so defensive. I wrote in one of my business book that you should never take uh, long-term business advice on, on entrepreneurial business, that is, from your accountant or your banker or your attorney, because all they are programmed to do is play defense. You just painted the gloomiest picture that, like, we're all going to die. Uh, Chicken Little over here. Is it Chicken <laughs> Little, Kelly? Because you know what? I don't think it's as bad. He just, you got to hey, pretend you're never going to make another dollar and batten the hatches. I'm like, I, I'm just looking for, you know, let's do the right thing. And he's out here telling me it's Armageddon. He's used to most people not listening, so he's got to really dial it back to try to scare him into the correct space. Okay. So are you listening to what he says? Because you, you talked about what you're doing with some of your adjustments, and we don't need to count your money, but I think part of what we do here at Extreme Ag is we're pretty open book about how we can help others. What are, what are a few things you're doing to make sure that you don't have all these good years go to uh, tax obligation instead go into protecting Garrett Land and Cattle? Well, First of all, it seems like we never stop expanding. So I, uh, you know, I've always got plenty of depreciation, but I don't feel like we're buying things at the end of the year just to, you know, have that, that quick depreciation, but it seems like we're in a constant state of expansion and, you know, and that has always been going on, but the last thing we're doing, you know, my sons are all coming of age. Now they're between 19, 22 and 23. We're starting to bring them into the operation then you've got more social security numbers to spread the tax hit out on basically i guess is that how you would explain it ben <laughs> and uh, you know i mean we're bringing them in an operation splitting it up instead of all of it being in my name i we're putting in their name and sharing in the wealth and uh, sharing the operation and and i i feel that's the correct thing to do to teach them at a young age going forward uh how, how to handle it and and let them have some skin in the game some ownership and uh, reward their efforts ben yeah, you know, you we try to manage, you know, tax brackets to the extent we can. And when you can, you know, spread out um, taxable income among, you know, five people instead of two, um, and you try to take advantage of that 24% bracket or even the 22% bracket, you can bring about a, a million to a million two dollars worth of million and two hundred thousand dollars through the system on after tax basis. That's not at a really high rate. So um, when you're having really good years, you know, let's pay some pay some income tax. Let's do it wisely. Um, let's make sure we we do it wisely to the extent where we're paying federal and state tax, um, and not necessarily Social Security, and Medicare tax. Uh, we try to do anything we can to structure a lot of our farmers to not have to pay that Social Security, and Medicare tax. Wait a minute now. I'm a self-employed guy, and my accountant tells me that a lot of my tax bill is going to Social Security. Why is that wrong? You know, so for the most part, for you, you you are earning all of your income off of your name and your and what you're performing on a daily basis, which the IRS says that hey, you're just like a, a W two worker to some extent. Um, all your income is generated off you know you performing services. Um, the difference between you and a farmer is that, you know, a lot of times a farmer may own land, um, which he generates income off of. And if he's not structured correctly, um, he's paying tax on all of that income. Even it could be land rent if it was in a separate entity. Um, that's not subject. Um, he's paying tax on all that income 
um, that's subject to Social Security and Medicare tax. Now, if he restructured, he could potentially pay, still be paying tax on all that income, but a portion of it would be exempt from Social Security and Medicare tax. Understood. Um, crop inputs are going up. Uh, machinery expense, my understanding is we went up like 24% last year. What does this do to the equation? I don't care who goes first on this. Maybe Kelly should. I know you can lock in some inputs. The point is there's the thing about taxes, but there's also a thing about not getting screwed and not overpaying for your inputs. Cause at the end of the day, you'd rather pay tax. This is something most farmers never do, by the way, Ben, you'd rather pay taxes than, than be broke. Uh, I think still there's some farmers that would maybe just rather be broke than pay taxes. Am I right about that, Ben? That's true. We really try to preach economics to our clients if we can, you know, make good business decisions and then let us handle the taxes for you. Um, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of people out there that they say they can't afford to retire because, you know, their number one business partner is Uncle Sam and Uncle Sam will take about half of it when they do retire, which that's absolutely no fun. So we try to, we try to structure and plan to get people out of that problem. Kelly inputs. Um, we, we maybe dodged, they were up in 2022, but we maybe dodged a bullet and some of these ag companies, let's face it, looked around and said, um, we can pass on some price increases. That's happening in 2023. Uh, how are you navigating that to make sure that you remain profitable? You know, that's has a lot to do with extreme ag rather than buying a lot of dry fertility, you know, a lot, a lot of dry P and K or things like that. We're looking more, at the stress mitigation, the plant health pieces. We're trying to keep our budget the same and figure out how to improve soil health and figure out how to use foliar applications to, uh, to keep the yields where they're at or even improve them. And we're learning more, learning more about the soil, learning more about mother nature and how she works to uh, maybe get away from some of that high price dry fertility. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I speak about a carbon market, I will say, I think that the average farmer feels like farming sustainably has to come with a yield hit. And because of extreme ag and the things I've learned, I don't believe that that's true. And I believe that I can keep my budget in check, you know, within reason, it's, it's still going to have to go up. But I believe I can keep my budget in check within reason using some of these more progressive practices to uh, keep costs low. And I still have an expectation of a higher yield. Um. You are going to be paying more for inputs, period. And so is everybody yeah. else. I mean, so is everybody else. There's not, there's not like some way that, you know, uh, that you're getting it for, you know, uh, half off or something. No. But, but you can, uh, what about the things like paying uh, beforehand? Is that usually a good idea? I mean, like, could he have gotten money off his books for prepaying for seed? Is that something? Oh, you yeah. Preach? Ben, what do you preach to your people about those kinds of things? You know, prepaying is fine. Um, there's not a, a problem with that at all. Uh, so you do have a cost of funds there, right? You know, just uh, people are borrowing money now um, for your prepaids versus, you know, in the past, they might, well, maybe they're not borrowing money for it. But um, there's no problem with that, really. And a lot of times, you know, to the extent you can, if, say someone doesn't need to prepay for something, but it still makes sense for them to prepay to get their discounts. We encourage them to do it, and then we'll find a different way to generate income to get them back to the number that we wanted them to be at. So, ben, so take advantage of the economics is what we try to preach. Ben, so speaking of taking advantage of the economics, what's your? I keep we keep saying preach. I mean, I'm not sure I want to be one of your clients if you preach to me. It gets a little much, okay? So let's just say advise. What do you advise, advise your okay. clients right now? 
Give me some, what, give me a couple, three pieces of advice you're giving your clients in 2023 that are different than a few years ago, because if it's always the same old stuff, you know, I took management 200 accounting at Purdue, FIFO, LIFO, Philo. That's first in last out. Nobody ever does that. I uh, made that up, Ben. I just made that up. That's a little counting humor for you. All right. Uh, anyway, would you, uh, would you tell me something that's beyond the normal 20, 30, 50 years old advice about, you know, normal stuff? Is there anything that specifically you're saying in 2023? You know, that's a, it's a tough question because I think our clients in general, since they came on board, we try to manage their taxes um, and their help them manage their business to the best that we actually can. So whether it's, you know, structuring them, um, correctly, um, helping them, you know, analyze whether a purchase of a land deal is good, um, whether they should put their wife on payroll, if they should pay their kids. A lot of times those decisions, we've, we've been making those decisions and helping make them th those decisions since they got here. So, yeah, so it's not, it's not, yeah, I know you're going to say it's tough this year, but okay, let's talk about something that's different this year. Um, I just got a thing from my bank. If I want to use operating money, it's 8% right now or 8.5%. It was 4% a year ago. There has to be some advice there. What, yeah. are, what are you telling people? Yeah, so you know, stretch out your payables as long as you can and collect your cash as quick as you can, right? So um, we don't market people's grain for them, but you know, truly to help them understand that there's a cost to carry that grain, right? If you want to wait until July to sell your grain, um, you can absolutely do that. But if you have a line of credit, it's costing you, you know, 7% annually or roughly three and a half percent until, you know, summer to get that grain. So um, understanding that there's a cost to carry, there never used to be, um, you know, even from a, a tax perspective, you know, paying your taxes on, on March 1st rather than before the, um, the end of the year, you know, that made, made some sense. You know, the, we had a few things that we had a lot of our clients prepay their taxes, but, yeah, those are just little things there. Um, stretch out your payables, manage your line of credit, and just pay attention to, to what you have uh, in your bank account. Make sure you're not paying your bank more than you should be. What's different about 2023 than even just a couple of years ago, Kelly? The interest rate. You know, the one thing that Ben and I have talked about, along with my banker, Jake, uh, Jared Creed, marketing consultant, you know, I, uh, with these large large incomes, the bigger net income, uh, I always wanted to pay my land down and they have advised me not to do that. You know, a lot of that land is locked in at 4% interest. Now, as you said, you're at eight. I think my interest rate on my operating right now is seven. So instead of uh, paying that land down, we're just trying to keep as much cash around as possible instead of using the line of credit. Uh, the line of credit gets pretty large all the time, it seems like, but uh, this year I, I feel that we're going to be able to pay almost all of it. You know, we'll, We'll be able to deal in 23 in mostly cash, um, which there there's a real nice investment there. That's uh, in your case, 8%. So the thing that is different is don't pay ahead on your land and, yeah. and stretch. Now that, that's by the way, now that's, that's where it's a little challenging because it takes discipline. Am I right, Ben? You, yeah. You're saying, Hey, don't use that seven to 8% operating line, sit on cash. And, and if it's a big enough number, you can get some interest on that in the meantime, right. Until the money starts going out the door. Um, and then when you're sitting there and you got a pretty big chunk of money and then that's, let's go back to that wave runner, you know, it starts getting nice here in April and he says, why don't I buy a, whole, a wave runner for the whole family? And then you're saying, no, 
Remember, we kept that cash back and didn't pay down on land because the land is that fixed long term. It's a dot, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of discipline involved there, Ben. Are you a disciplinarian with your clients? Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline to have money sitting in your bank account um, and not to pay down your long term fixed debt, right? Um, but if you're in the growth mode to know that there's an opportunity down the road to pay cash for something rather than having to borrow for it, yeah. there's a ton of value in that. So um, we try to make, you know, help people understand, you know, what's their spread, right? So what are they, what's the, what are they borrowing at fixed versus what they can get on their money um, in the bank right now, right now. And so you have a lot of people that might be, you know, fixed at 4% and they might be able to go get 4% on their money that's sitting in the bank. So their true cost of funds is zero. Yeah. And yeah, that's important. And that's, all right. Biggest mistake you see, Ben Hanson, biggest mistake you see, um, maybe it's been throughout your whole career, but maybe it's in the last two years. Biggest accounting or money mistake, because we are going to, we, we think we're going to have a good 2023. We had a good 2022. We had a good 2021. 2020 was good mostly because $51 billion of federal money was thrown in. Again, we're in probably year number four or five of things being pretty good in ag. What mistake are you seeing in this good environment? Yeah, I was, I, you know, at first I was going to say uh, the biggest, you know, just accounting and tax mistake that I can recall even over my history is, you know, a beginning farmer, which that isn't probably most of your guys' clientele, um, them having, you know, not hiring a good accountant right off the bat, um, and them, you know, having a big net operating loss in their first year, and then trying to work their way out of it. Um, that's a big mistake, in my opinion, um, just not having good professional advice. Um, I think that's something that Kelly would tell you too, is that he's built a, <clears throat> a team of, you know, very good marketers. Um, I would say hopefully, you know, good accountants, um, good agronomists uh, that have all helped guide him down the path to, you know, he can focus on growing his crop and managing his base business. Ben, is it true that accountants play too much defense and not enough offense for their entrepreneurial clients? I mean, I accused you of that. I want to know if you see it as, as being an accurate uh, uh, accusation. It depends who you have. Um, I would say that you want a, a business partner rather than someone that's going to slow you down all the time. But I, I would say that people do call your accountant, you know, the woe man, right? The people that'll say, whoa, hold on a second. Let's make sure that this makes sense. But sometimes you just got to do it, right? You know, so does it make sense to buy, you know, $6,000 farm ground, you know, four, four or five years ago, people have said no. Um, but now it looks like it's a pretty good investment, right? So you do have to take some risk. And I feel like there's plenty of accountants out there that are are taught to say, you know, no, no, no. And I, I hate to be that person. But um, sometimes, like I said, during during the best of times, the worst decisions are made. I hope that's not now. I hope people have learned from, you know, um, previous years. Everyone says we're living in the 80s, right? And I, I think the, the times are different. There's much healthier balance sheets than there used to be. I would agree with that. And that's a subject for another day. Is this the new 1980s? And when we get you a new mic, we can have you come back. And we'll talk about, is this the new 80s? And I'll tell you the reasons it's not. Hey, Kelly Garrett, on the way out the door here, uh, I call this episode Record Farm Income 2022. Now what? So now what? Going forward, tell what what's your thoughts or recommendations or uh, advice or observations in moving forward? Now what? My recommendation is to make as much money as possible. What Ben and Brad always tell me is not to let the, the tax tail wag the income dog or something like that. They're like, 
you know, don't, don't let the tail wag the dog and, and your, your income, go get it, go do the best you can do, make as much money as possible, hire a good accountant and let them take care of it. And that's what, uh, that's what we do with Ben and Brad, you know, and I just, I don't really worry about the taxes. Every we come in, you know, like you said, it's been good for several years in a row. We're rolling this income, we're doing things and, and we continually come up with another plan to uh, to not have to pay a tremendous amount in taxes and, and to be responsible with it. Um, so my advice is, is to ha have a good accounting system, have a good team. And I do feel like I have one. Yeah. I, and that's good advice. And by the way, I, I joke about farm people. I am, I've been around in my whole life, but it was two years ago when things started getting really good in 2021. And I said, you guys are gonna have amazing yields and these prices are holding up. Like we didn't think they were going to. And then some of the old, more backward mentality farm types said, well, yeah, we're going to make a lot of money. We're just going to, have to pay taxes. And I thought, Oh my God. It's <laughs> I've been hearing this. Well, yeah, we're making all kinds of money. We're just going to, have to pay some taxes. I'm like, well, that beats the hell out of not making any money and not paying any taxes. So anyway, his name is Ben Hansen. And give me the name of the firm again, because I miss I, I misspoke. It's 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 Gross and Company. Gross and Company. Yep, you nailed it. We're in Dunlap. But I'd like if your name was in there, because you're the only face of the company that I know. So I'd like you to go ahead and offer a name change to the firm and um, and call it Hansen and Gross. You should be first. Um uh, Damon, you'll appreciate this. You know, me being the accountant that I am, then I'd have to change all of our letterhead, all of our signage, all of our emails, you know. Just you know, like those farmers know? wouldn't want to go around making money, just <laughs> had to pay taxes, wouldn't want my name to be on the front of the didn't didn't Ebenezer Scrooge have this problem? He kept Marley's name out there for seven years. Anyway. Little Christmas reference there, Ben. Kelly Garrett, thanks for being here. Record farm income 2022. Now what? Question mark. That's what we told this episode. We hope this gives you some guidance. Um, and we want you to have a very prosperous 2023. To help you be prosperous, tune into all the great stuff we're offering here at Extreme Ag. You know what? We give you financials. We give you business. Most importantly, we give you ways to enhance new practices and use new products on your farm to help you make bigger yields and thereby bigger profits. That's what we're all about. Thanks. Share this with somebody you think that can learn something from it. If you are not a paying member, you can go ahead and for $750, great investment, deductible expense, I might add, can get you behind the paywall where you'll get also exclusive uh, content and exclusive access to the Extreme Act guys. See us at uh, Commodity Classic this year with our friends at Nature's. Also see us at the Louisville Farm Machinery Show February 14th. I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here. Till next time, this is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 